Welcome to Raising Standards with Rhiannon Evans and Matt Smith, a true Roman history podcast for true Romans. Hail Caesar. Welcome to Raising Standards, an occasional rewatch podcast in which we take a fond look at HBO's Rome with Rhiannon Evans and Matt Smith. Today on the podcast, a special interview with Corral Amiga. Corral played the character of Verena the Elder, daughter of Verenus, and for the two seasons of the show, she presented us with a brutal reality of what childhood in Rome could be like, especially from the standpoint of those of the lower classes. Now, of course, it should be said that this podcast will contain spoilers for the rest of the second season, so if you're watching along and are spoiler adverse, it might do to skip this until the end of the season. And on that note, here's Rhiannon and I talking to Corral Amiga. How did you get involved in the production of Rome? How did you get your part? How did it come to your attention? Yeah, no, I do remember because it was actually my first ever professional Mm. audition, weirdly. After the audition, like that had already gone and I didn't think about it. And then my agent came back to me saying, oh, they're recasting that that show that you auditioned for. At the time, I think I was away with friends. And so I, I wasn't able to attend the audition. And she was like, do you know what? Your first one was so strong. Let's just like roll the dice with that. It was actually that quick and it was literally like a week later she was like, yeah, they want you for the part and it was just such a whirlwind and because it was my first thing, like I always think back to that time and like, you know, it was such an epic, incredible series, but I thought that was normal TV. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And all the other, you know, more experienced British actors obviously were like, yeah, this is not normal at all. (laughs) It was an incredible experience. Mm. And I was just really grateful to be there. Considering Um, most of the productions that you would have been involved in if you were acting already at the time, yeah, the scale of it is something quite different. You know, going to Rome, being on such detailed sets with that kind of international production, quite a strange experience to grow up with. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what I mean. I was so green. So, like, again, I just thought this was, like, what TV was meant to be like. Obviously, it wasn't, you know. It was more, you know, suited to almost like a blockbuster film. And the sets were gigantic. You know, in preparation for this interview, I was thinking back to it. And I just really remember how amazing all the the details were, the sets and the costume. Like, everything was so down to, like, the minutiae. I remember, like, our costumes they tried to get as close as possible to what the materials that they would have actually used. So that meant that it was very uncomfortable. (laughs) It's very itchy. I remember that. And like, I think even like down to the undergarments that we had the kind of, you know, it was like, we literally, yeah, I think so. Maybe I'm like now exaggerating that, (laughs) but I, I, I just remember like everything being extremely accurate and I was really amazed by it. Again, I thought, Oh, that's normal. That's what usually period pieces are like. And then the sets as well. Like they literally rebuilt parts mm. of Rome. We were in kind of the slums area, but that really was like, you know, if you were on a second floor tenement, they had built yeah. that tenement. So you were inside it. You were it wasn't just like in a studio isolated room. The crew would have to like fit into the set, if that makes oh, sense. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and and so you would walk through all these like just everything like now I think about like that is crazy because now I know like 
obviously I've been on maybe less <laughs> less extensive sets and I'm like wow they got everything with it down to the kind of the dirt on the floor the graffiti on the walls the clay the hay you know if I was carrying a big pot of water I was literally carrying a really really heavy pot filled with, with water everything was <laughs> real down to the babies as well I had to carry a lot of babies that's what really stands out to me was just how everything felt so mm. visceral do you think that made it easier to get into the role or were you just itchy and therefore distracted <laughs> <laughs> i'm wondering actually whether it was itchy because it was wool because the romans used a lot of wool it probably was wool yeah and you know we're in like 40 degrees like heat for most of the time yeah I think it did help because I'm sure women back then were also itchy and hot and sweaty and so you know I think maybe the fact that everything felt so real I mean it was just such a lovely first professional experience to say the very least because it really did feel very immersive I've still have never done properly like green screen or anything but I'm like that for me feels more surreal because this was just kind of like, yeah, you would really enter our home. You know, our sets really felt like our home. That was the other thing. I think we were quite separate. You know, there really was like a division between the patricians and the plebs. Yeah, I was thinking that when I thought back on all of your scenes across the show, you were very much segregated to the home kind of life. And and in the second season, the tavern, I guess, with Varinus and Pullo and that associated storyline and, and you never really got the opportunity to cross over. Although were you were ever in like the triumph scenes or anything in the Senate forum or watching the newsreader or anything like that? Yeah, I think that was maybe one scene. I do remember, I just don't remember if I was like, just happened to be on the set when there was a, a massive scene going on. And I, and I have a lot of photos from there, so mm. I don't think my character was in the scene. Maybe they were in there, like, it was like a big kind of gathering and there was a shot where they needed us to be, like, walking through or passing through it or something. I remember that. That was almost breathtaking. Again, the yeah, scale, yeah. the amount of extras, the detail of every column. And uh, just, yeah, that for the forum was, like, really a sight to behold, like... I remember also I literally got lost. That's how big the set was. One of the runners wanted to walk me back and because everything was so new to me, I was quite embarrassed at the thought of someone like always having to walk me to places. So I was like, no, no, I can find my way back. It literally got lost in the back streets of <laughs> ancient Rome. Mm. And then I think it kind of mixed in with gangs of New York and I just had no idea where I was. And then I could hear this... <laughs> eventually this like panting this poor guy like out of breath coming he was like yeah this is why I need to walk you back <laughs> it was just so the scale of Chinachita is just <laughs> huge but that seems quite realistic I've got lost in the back streets of Rome which kind of follow <laughs> similar patterns I think I think so I think they I mean it really I, I kind of remember that feeling like a maze I think that's why I was like, oh, I, I really thought I knew the direction. And then all of a sudden I was like, I had no idea where I was. And weirdly, there was like no crew, nothing. It was just like empty, which was quite surreal. Like I imagine the crew or the producers who would come very early or stay very late, like that must have been such a quite magical, surreal feeling. Like especially being there without the cameras, I guess, because it just, again, it feels just very immersive. Kind of trivial by 
when we talked to some of the other actors, they spoke about how they enjoyed being in Rome so much and there seemed to have been lots of dinners and carousing. But I wonder, because you were younger, <laughs> were you part of that at all? Did you enjoy being in Rome? Yeah. Oh, I loved being in Rome. I wasn't part of that that much because I was so young. I was so much younger than them, especially the first year. You know, I was like hanging out with my mom, who was my chaperone. But yeah, I mean, living in Rome is a dream, especially the second season because the first season I was still at school. So I was constantly flying back and forth. And like my mom always says she remembers me like in hair and makeup at like 4 a.m., like falling asleep in my school books, just trying to like balance the two things but the, the second season I'd taken a year off uni and I'd come to shoot it I could actually just live in Rome and it was ridiculous when I think about it like lived behind the Spanish steps you know down a little alleyway with like ivy kind of hanging all over it and I lived next to a, an opera Many school times. so I would wake up <laughs> to opera singing and now I'm like that's just that's just not it's not real. <laughs> the history is everywhere. So I was like living these two different versions of it. But yeah, too young for the fun dinners. Now I feel like I've missed out. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I knew about them. Esther, who played my aunt in it, we just did a lot of like walking around the streets of Rome and, and having glasses of wine. And also we hang out with a, a lot of the crew who were all Italian. And, you know, they would show us their city. It was a very special time. Very, very lucky. And now that I know what <laughs> real TV is like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's like on another level. <laughs> mm. I imagine it must have been quite an education into um, what childhood was like for a, a Roman pleb, I guess, uh, for somebody living on the streets of Rome. Mm -hmm. Because your character went through a lot the proposition that you get married off to an old man at some point uh, to everything that happened in between. So what did you think of, of all of that? And and how did yeah. it kind of inform your performance, I guess, about what children lived like at Rome? Yeah, I, I feel like I don't remember. I can't say like exactly because I don't remember 100%. It wasn't 100% that I was going to be in the second season. And so my character really developed kind of they did a lot of like writing as and when like through and like I think also they had to change a lot because obviously with the cancellation and a lot of the storylines got condensed but um yeah so my story arc you know really took off probably end of season one and then mm. obviously season two so at first it kind of just felt like we were just all part of this family and then all of a sudden she had her own agency and had her own storyline and obviously women were treated almost like property and you really did feel like, yeah, you were there to be obedient to your parents, especially to the father, and then you're going to be married off. Because she had been through this whole thing when she gets kind of enslaved and sent to <laughs> prostitution, she's already now kind of lived an adult life at a very young age and there was this interesting thing where she is very similar to her father in a way, like very stubborn, strong and brave. And she's a survivor. Whatever she could do, she would use it. She was obviously quite limited in what she could do. I think considering the circumstances, she was a fighter. Mm. Tussling between those two things, growing up in that kind of extreme poverty, 
your whole world's taken away and you know her mother dies and suddenly she's kind of thrust into this new life with her father who she really resents like as a first kind of character to explore at that age she was just mm. very it's very interesting and also it was like close to my age at the time and going through all those <laughs> teenage angst it felt very apt <laughs> she just had a lot more extreme circumstances than I did did they tell you exactly how old she was meant to be because Roman childhood kind of ended earlier than we we'd imagine it yeah it certainly did for your character yeah I don't I don't I feel like she was yeah maybe 14 15 mm. in the beginning it feels feels right and then obviously like a few couple years go by I mean there's talk of the young boy being yours I think at the start of the show so clearly you know old enough for that sort of thing to have happened 14 would be about the right age for a yeah a Roman girl to get married yeah shocking but yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, I, I, and by the time she comes back from, like, when he, they rescue her, mm. like now she's, like, a, a has-been. Rome is a show that doesn't pull its punches when it comes to how it's portraying violence and sexuality, and your character does get more caught up with that uh, the further it gets through the second season. So how did that kind of thing strike you? It was your first real role, and suddenly, you know, your, your character's sold into slavery put into prostitution and cover your ears for a second, Rhiannon. Kevin McKidd gets really physical with you uh, in the later episodes, especially around the time when you betray him. It must have become very physically demanding for you. Yeah, that scene in particular was, it was very challenging, but also very rewarding. Mm. I just remember we really rehearsed it through Mm. and Kevin was a really incredible scene partner especially to do that as my first kind of violent scene. I think because obviously he's had so much more experience and he really kind of guided me through. If anything, I kept pushing him to make it as kind of real as as possible. And he was the one that was like, there's a way we can do it where it doesn't have to feel like that. You know, it is called acting. So I think it was just having that balance. I mean, you know, like I'm sure with all these kind of conversations, this many years later, like I know things would be so different especially like the more sexual scenes just would be shot differently they're treated differently the industry's changed yeah um yeah i think again because i was so green i just sort of threw myself into it and didn't really think about it that much i mean it was nerve-wracking i don't want to say like i didn't know any better but do you know what i mean like it Mm. um I just kind of went with that i mean at no point did i feel like i feel everyone was very respectful and I can only speak from my scenes were treated with closed sets and they were very conscious of my age and my experience. So I felt protected at that point, but I'm sure what's happening now Mm. and how those kind of scenes are treated, it would be a different story. I I think it's quite a recent development for them to actually have people on set, especially during sexual scenes and those kind of things. Like an intimacy coordinator. Thank you. That's the word that I was looking for. Yeah. But that's actually a a really recent development. Well, it's the last four years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I mean. It's like now it's, so obviously with hindsight, I'm like, oh yeah, that is pretty like punchy that I did that. Yeah. Um, But, because that was so true to what the character was going through and like what 
children at that age, especially in that kind of poverty, in those times, you were just like, yeah, this is what life was. But it's extreme. So from what you're both saying, I'm going to end up hating Varinus. <laughs> no, I would just say they're, they're as hot-headed as mm, each other. Okay. I think mm. that, I'll leave it as that. That's kind of what I meant. She has a lot of his kind of personality. She finally gets her confrontation. I'll just say that. <laughs> and I think. Thank, thank yeah. you for being careful. I'm on your side at the moment. So we'll see. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I think that family as a whole... And I guess as a female viewer, albeit older, the daughters allow us to empathise with the situation of that family. We kind of enjoy the drama of what's going on with Octavian's family and, you know, the political and the military situation. But I love the way that your family and your characters draw us into a situation we can empathise with, albeit fathers aren't like that anymore, you'd hope. Obviously, like with the, the historical side, everyone knows that story. So it is amazing and it's epic. Everyone is very familiar with it, but it's the stories, I think, on the other side. A lot of the sort of emotional heart, I think especially Pullo and, and Verena's people were so drawn to. I think when you're watching the royal side, the royal side, that's not the right way to That's fair enough. enough. You know, yeah, pretty much is, yeah. yeah. You're not relating to it. You're just kind of in awe of it. Mm. Whereas with our storyline, you're getting to experience ancient Rome with us through our eyes because it's, you know, more likely that we would be one of them than maybe in Caesar's family. I think it was um, Ian McNeese, the, the newsreader, who described it as um, Downton Abbey in ancient Rome. Yes, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of separate. I really only experienced that side of ancient Rome. That's what we would always joke as well. Like in hair and makeup, they would have these like incredible wigs and like the jewels. And then we would come and they'd like splatter dirt on us and make our hair as, oh. as, as messy as possible. We just watched the episode where after you come back from slavery, you get cleansed and they literally slathered blood on you. Oh, that scene was really fun. I remember that. You did well keeping a straight face in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just like internalizing how grossed out I was by it. <laughs> no, I actually think I probably loved it. That's what I mean. I kind of was out for all the, the gore and the dirt and the drama of it. Mm. When we were taken off as slaves and we were in those carts as well, I remember, again, did really feel very hot. And they did such an incredible job at really like immersing you in the environment mm. wherever you were. Yeah. So what did you think about, Rhiannon, you might need to take your headphones off again. No, what did you think about, <laughs> I didn't actually mean for her to do that, but it's up to her. Uh, what did you think about how Verena ended up with her story? I can't exactly ask, would you have done it differently? With Pullo's wife dying, with your mother dying, with you, by the looks of it, maybe joining a priesthood? How did you continue the story of Verena in your own head after the conclusion of the show? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that means she's not going to have her own family. Mm. She's not going to have a relationship. So, But on the other hand, maybe she needed that kind of extreme life to be able to cope with what she was going through. You know, again, they didn't have a lot of things at their disposal. Yeah. And not that many options. You know, she probably looked towards her aunt who felt, happy in her life and and maybe that was something that would do that for her as well mm. i mean i guess there was the resolution of she finally did have the forgiveness for her father i think that was the more important part 
but yeah, I don't know if, what I would do. For, it's interesting because yeah, if there was another season, they probably would have elongated that. It would have been very line. different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would have been different. So who knows? Because I think also that kind of the betrayal part and when she was sort of like spying on him and, and that I feel like that would have been much longer mm. and her kind of getting involved with these sort of other gangs maybe in my dream while well, she would become like the rival gang leader like her <laughs> against Farinas actually that'd be pretty cool <laughs> that would be pretty cool right yeah yeah I'll stick with that yeah go completely badass instead of joining a priestess and, be, and finding a bit of peace no gang leader <laughs> yeah exactly he finds out after many years this like mysterious gang leader who keeps attacking him, his own daughter. Would watch that. that would yeah. I mean, that's why Atia was like such an incredible character. I think having these kind of strong female characters have their own agency and make provocative choices. Mm. That's what we want. We want more of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So all, all the spoilers over? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think I've got my fill <laughs> of spoilers. So. Yeah, quite interesting. It was really uh, interesting, especially how Verena joined the circus at the end of the season. <laughs> that was when she runs and jumps on the chariot and it starts doing the yeah. laps. Yeah, that was quite yeah. an awesome scene. And, and somehow she gets to Egypt as well. It's like... <laughs> Finally got off the set. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose they spend so much on that amazing set that, in a way, when they do move away from that, which I know your character wasn't involved in, but say when they have battles. They did pave the way for these kind of big epic shows like Game of Thrones and, and everything, and all the other shows that have kind of come after that, but it all have also probably learned from where they can save as mm. well. And then, yeah, the way that they had created this world that we could really all kind of immerse ourselves in. I just remember everything being so colourful. It wasn't how I probably imagined Rome, maybe not what a lot of people imagine ancient Rome. I think a lot of times you do see the toga, the marble side, and you don't get to see the kind of gritty, colourful, graffitied. Funny you should mention the colour because it's a big issue in classics at the moment, the idea that statues appear oh. white all the time and we know they were painted, so... It was a really gaudy oh. world, and that's quite a good representation of the gaudiness. If anything, the Romans were even less tasteful than that. Their colour schemes were, <laughs> we would have think, pretty lurid. But yeah, this idea of the pristine yeah. white, and you're quite right. that I mean, the togas must have been so hard to keep clean in that world. So they probably were grubby most of the time. I think I remember, like, it wasn't very well received in Italy. Ah, interesting. That, you know, a lot of Italians felt like, A, who are about these British actors, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. kind of taking away the authenticity of that. I mean, there's quite a bugbear of mine, I have to say, like, actors are putting on bad accents or let's say they're playing Italian, but they're speaking English with a bad Italian accent as opposed to (laughs) just getting an Italian accent, speaking Italian. In in real life, those two people would be speaking Mm -hmm. Italian to each Mm -hmm. other. So I can see why, you know, they may have felt that that was kind of taking it away from the movie. Especially with um, so many people behind the scenes being Italian. That must have been a bit surreal for them. Yeah, they were so lovely. I absolutely adored the hair and makeup team. Um, They were so fun, so great. And of course, that was another thing that other 
British actors would be like, this isn't normal under the crafty service. Like, we have these incredible, like, Italian spreads. You'd have, like, espresso throughout the day. It's just exactly how you imagine it's an Italian set to be. So I, I loved having an Italian set, <laughs> <laughs> having that side of things. I think we've probably taken enough of Coral's time. But it's been so lovely. Lovely to meet you both. And, yeah, thank you for having Great. me. Great. Okay, thanks very much. That was Corral Amiga, along with Rhiannon Evans and myself, and this has been Raising Standards, an occasional rewatch podcast for HBO's Rome. You can like us on the Emperors of Rome Facebook page, and you can follow us on Twitter. Rhiannon is at Dr. Rhiannon Evans, I am at Nightlight Guy, and the podcast is at Rome Podcast. That's it today for Raising Standards, so until the next episode, I'm Matt Smith, you've been fantastic, and thanks for listening. <laughs>